welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, a podcast examining the work of Star Wars creators. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me as always is... Mike. And how are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. And normally we look at specific works of Star Wars creators, both inside and outside of the universe, and get into spirited discussions about that. But we had somebody ask a question on Facebook recently over at the Nerd Party uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. And uh, they asked about why uh, Star Wars Episode Nine was going to be filmed in 65 millimeter. And it basically spurred a bit of a thought about film formats, about the difference that it makes. And the different choices which have been made for the various Star Wars movies by the different filmmakers behind those movies. Yeah, and it's a pretty fascinating topic, and I am by no means an expert in this, but I would say that you definitely are. I think that anybody that has listened to any part of this show knows that you are... You, you possess a great body of knowledge when it, it, it comes to these sorts of things. So I think that the best way to go about this is to, to approach it from, like you said, going through the history of what they've shot the films on and breaking down you know, the choices behind that, what the directors have said about what they've chosen. And so for anybody out there that is uninitiated, that doesn't understand the difference between these things, what are the major formats that a director has to choose from uh, in order to you know, shoot the film? J- just to give people an idea of what would go into their decision-making process. Well, I mean, the two big ones, the two big dividing lines, you know, d- or the, 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 where the line d- divides, the two, two big formats are film and digital. And even that has only uh, been a choice, really, for about 15 years. You know, um, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, was the first Star Wars movie to be shot digitally, and it was one of the very first blockbusters to be shot digitally it was a big deal and lucas has always sort of been on the cutting edge of that technology so now that those two things exist you know filmmakers can choose usually between film or digital uh but you know that that's been a big thing throughout the history of star wars and within those two formats there's a lot of other you know subdivisions and everything like that which we can get into too but that's that's the big the big deal. Okay, so with digital versus film, would either of those choices affect what aspect ratio a director could uh, shoot the film in? Now, uh, I, I'm sure everybody listening is fairly, you know, aware of aspect ratio. You have widescreen TVs. You had, uh, you know, the the more square TVs that that were really sort of Academy ratio. You know, the, the original TVs. Does that base choice right there, digital versus film, is there any limitation on what aspect ratio a director can choose from that first choice forward? Technically, no. I mean, there are certain things where if they wanted to do a certain thing, they could choose one over the other, and they might need to modify 
one in order to accommodate a certain aspect ratio, but you can basically do whatever you want as far as the aspect ratios are concerned. Now, as a question, the Star Wars movies are undeniably very effects-heavy movies, and shooting things like explosions, they will shoot them in different frame rates, you know, so that they can speed them up or slow them down to make them look right when they're, you know, projected on the full image. Does a limitation exist between, because I know there a limitation used to exist uh, for effects shots between digital and film. Does such a limitation still exist? Do they still have to shoot certain effects shots on film or can they shoot in either format? I think at this point you can do either one. Okay. You know, I mean, we just, I just the other day, just yesterday, I, I went to see Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, which was shot and presented in 120 frames a second, which is five times the normal frame rate. And uh, so you could easily just slow that down and get five times slow motion. What What is, what was the big difference in, with the 120 frames per second? Because I remember seeing The Hobbit in the 48 frames per second and it looked terrible. It looked absolutely <laughs> god awful. Um, it, it the the lighting was all like they did not adjust the cinematography or the makeup properly, and it just looked like a low rent BBC show. I mean, a lot of people will complain about that, and you know, you could say, I guess, that the 120 frames, you know, looks the same way. I think the problem that that I had with the way The Hobbit looked was what what people have called the Keystone Cops effect, where it looked like everything was kind of in running in fast motion. Um, yeah. But the, whatever it was that they did, uh, you know, for for Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, they fixed that problem, and uh, that's not not an issue uh, with with Billy Lynn at all. It still has that, as they call, soap opera effect, or you know, that low rent BBC effect that you're talking about, yeah. where it looks, you know, the movement looks uh, like video. Because that's what it is. And, you know, people don't like it. And people have really complained about Billy Lynn because of that, which is why there are very, very few theaters across the world that are actually showing it in high frame rate. Most of the presentations have been downgraded to 24 frames a second, even though all the projectors that they're being shown on are perfectly capable of showing them at 60 frames per second or higher, just because people don't like it, which I think is absolutely freaking ridiculous don't even get me started on well, how why why no no why is it ridiculous let's get let's put a timer on you you got 60 seconds why is it ridiculous for people to have a problem with it i it, it's not ridiculous for people to have a problem with it because i mean essentially what they're doing is they're fighting a hundred years of of movie watching you know people are used to movies looking a certain way and when they see this that's not what they're used to and they reject it that's all well and good for a viewer to reject it. But for a filmmaker to say, I'm going to push the boundaries of, you know, the medium. I'm going to do something which no one's seen before. I'm going to do something which is undeniably better. You know, it's not like back in, you know, 1896 or whatever it was, Thomas Edison or whoever, you know, what invented cinema was like, 24 frames a second, that's perfect. That's what we want to do because that's the ideal frame rate. They were like, well, 24 frames a second is pretty much as good as it's going to get for now. <laughs> you know, now okay. in 2016, we're like, we can do 120 frames a second. And it's like, well, let's do that. Because clearly 
that's the better format. I mean, te- from a technical standpoint, you can get into like, well, you know, stylistically, maybe it's not good because people think it looks like the BBC or whatever. But that doesn't mean that it's not technically better. I mean, the image quality that I saw yesterday is unlike anything I've ever seen before. So do you think that this is a sort of... uh, When CDs first came out, there was resistance to them. Ironically, now vinyl is catching on again uh, with with all you kids out there with your your hip-hop and your beatboxing. Um, (laughs) And your skinny jeans. Yes, and your your lattes and your scarves. Mm -hmm. But with... Do you think that this is sort of a thing where these first films that are coming out with these higher frame rates, this is like the CD versus vinyl divide? This is just initial, I'm not used to this and therefore I reject it, but over time people will become more accustomed to it? Or do you think that this will just continue to be that? Because I, you know, you mentioned there are, you know, the first choice between uh, digital and film, and you have directors like Christopher Nolan who basically say, no, I'm shooting on film period. And it, you, you could give me a digital camera. I'm going to break it over my knee and I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Do you think that this is just sort of like a natural growth time? Or do you think that this, you know, audiences could continue to push back and, and delay this from happening or prevent it? Well, yeah, it should be just a natural growth time. Just like, you know, even people who saw digital, you know, saw episode two and were like, this looks weird. This is digital. This is different. You know, and some people were like, it looks fantastic. And other people like Christopher Nolan probably were like, I hate the way this movie looks. Right. I mean, that's that's a thing. And that's a thing that happened. And, you know, now we're at a point where digital is part of the the toolbox and, you know, you can use it or you, you can't. The problem that I have, what's going on right now, is you've got people, and this happened with The Hobbit, too, and now it's happening again with Billy Lynn, where people are like 120 frames a second. All right, this is great. You know, I'm going to use this for my movie. And then, you know, a few critics or whoever see it and are like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I hate how this looks, even though the filmmakers are like, this looks exactly how I want it to look. And the studios or whoever are saying like, oh, oh, people don't want to see it. Let's, you know, downgrade the image in order to make it look like the thing that people are used to. And if that keeps on happening, then we're not going to get that higher frame rate, even though it is better, and even though people would get used to it. it we're just going to be stuck at 24 frames forever, and that's so, ridiculous. So you're saying that they should be more Lucas about it and say, I don't care what you say, you're going to get what you get, and you... Uh, yeah. You know what? The line from the book Pinkalicious. I have daughters. I will never forget this line from the book Pinkalicious, which is a delightful book if anybody has not read it. You'll get what you get and you won't get upset. That is that is cool. exactly the line from yeah. the mom in that book. Or you will get upset. You know, it's perfectly okay with people right. getting upset as long as they get what they get. You know? So, That's the... I mean, I'm I'm perfectly okay with every film critic in the world saying that 120 frames per second looks terrible. Um, but... I think that we should be able to see it and judge for ourselves. I completely agree with you. But bringing it back into the realm of Star Wars, let's let's roll it all the way back since since we were talking about Lucas a second ago. Yeah. The original Star Wars is shot on, and I'm going to see if my brain can stretch and remember, it was shot on 35 millimeter. Yes. But shot in such a way that it could be projected on 70, which is a specific way of shooting on the film to make that possible, correct? 
Uh, sort of. I mean, any movie can be blown up to 70 millimeter. You know, even Rogue One is going to be on 70 millimeter. Well, sort of. And Fantastic Beasts was on 70 millimeter for some reason that doesn't make any sense. But wouldn't um, that affect the aspect ratio if they just blew it up? No, no. I mean, it, what what you would do is, I mean, like for example, uh, the Master. Uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson was shot in 70 millimeter and it was done in an aspect ratio of 185 to 1 even though 70 millimeters aspect ratio is 2.2 to 1 so essentially there's black bars on the sides of the the frame you know you're just not using the full width it's 2.2 two to one so why is it that when people buy dvds they always tout that it's um 2.39 to one although they occasionally screw it up and say 2.35 yeah, well, t- yes, the uh, 2.39 to 1, formerly 2.35 to 1, is the aspect ratio for anamorphic 35 millimeter. Mm. And that's what the Star Wars movies, episodes uh, 4, 5, 6, and 1, and 7, were all shot in. Okay. Um, and and 8, theoretically, I think. I'm, I'm yes, he's shooting that. with. I know he's using 35 millimeter stock and... I think he said be. that he wasn't. He's not. No, no, he's got to be using anamorphic lenses. As well. Yeah, I, because I seem to recall where he said he didn't really have a choice in in the matter or something like that. Yeah, well, they were like saying like, would he shoot it in seventy millimeter? And he couldn't because like the lab, there were no labs in in the UK that could process the film right. so that he could watch it. Although now they've just built a lab so that you know episode nine can be shot in seventy millimeter, which we'll get to in a little bit but yes the original movies were shot in anamorphic 35 millimeter what that means is basically uh there's a a kind of a fish-eyed lens which you put on front of the camera and on front of the projector which squeezes the image uh when you're shooting it uh to you know so that it's like half takes up half the size as 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 you would want or whatever and then it stretches it back out when you project it through that that lens you know in the theater and that gives it that aspect ratio that widescreen ratio of 2.39 to 1 which is what um you know Star Wars all the Star Wars movies are in okay now okay my first question then because i know that there there was a big deal made about the fact that when Kenneth Branagh did his Hamlet it was shot on 70 millimeter and I remember at the time he said that he believed it was the first movie actually shot on 70 millimeter uh, since Ryan's daughter in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, which I'll, I'll take him at his word that he was probably right about that. I think there were some other, I mean, I think Far and Away was shot on 70 Ugh, millimeter. The less it's said about that. <laughs> Ugh. I, uh, that yeah, yeah. Far and Away doesn't count. Okay. Um, right. It never will for any reason. Um <laughs> but is it just a cost-saving measure? Like they figured out that they could shoot this anamorphic 35 and they said, oh, well, why would we bother shooting on 70 millimeter if we could, because is the film, is there going to be a price difference in the film stock or, or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what it was. I forget the exact history of it, but I believe 70 millimeter came out and anamorphic, what at the time it was originally called Cinemascope, was developed by, I believe... MGM, I, I, I'm not 100% positive on that, um, which was designed to get that widescreen look while using your standard 35 millimeter film. The advantage to that is um, more than anything cost because 
70 millimeter film is approximately twice as large as 35 millimeter film. So that means it costs twice as much. Not to mention okay. using the cameras, which are huge and, you know, rare and heavy and uh, loud and, and all that other stuff. Thereby restricting what type of shots you can get, how much ADR you have to do, and yeah. those sorts of things. So uh, an anamorphic 35, you can have quieter moments. You can get in, you know, tighter spaces uh, mm -hmm. with the cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, I mean, that, that makes total sense. So the original four Star Wars movies are all on Super 35. No, an Anamorphic 35. Anamorphic 35, sorry. Super Super 35 is a format that they came up with in the 80s. The first movie to be shot in Super 35 was Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. Ah, starring Christopher <laughs> Lambert. Yes. Yes, and a classic. What Super 35 does is it basically gives you that widescreen aspect ratio without having to use the anamorphic lenses. And the way that it does that is it essentially letterboxes the image. So the image quality is not nearly as good as anamorphic because the size of the frame is about, uh, you know, two-thirds of, of that of anamorphic. Maybe not exactly that, but something. So it's capturing... It's actually capturing less information on the film and projecting it larger, which would explain the degradation. That, and also in order to make it into anamorphic, you've got to go through an extra optical step, which means you lose two generations uh, of of quality. So, I mean, that, that problem was solved in the early aughts when digital intermediates came into play. But back in the day... Anytime you saw a Super 35 movie, you could see, you know, it was exceptionally grainy um, in the theater. But but Lucas was not abnormal for choosing the anamorphic 35. That was basically industry standard. Well, it, there were two formats. There was like that. I mean, if you think about like when you're watching movies on your HD TVs at home, some some of them fill the entire screen, and then others are letterboxed. Yeah. If it if it's anamorphic like Star Wars, it's it's letterboxed because it's a much wider image. But you could also just shoot it with regular lenses, spherical okay. lenses, and then you would get that that flat one eight five to one ratio. So. Anamorphic lenses were are generally speaking used for, and, and obviously this has changed a lot. But historically speaking, it was used for like epics or blockbusters, that sort of thing, mm. things like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that stuff. Whereas you know your smaller movies uh, are are going to be shot with spherical lenses in like the smaller ratio. So it's it wasn't at all weird for Star Wars to be shot. And anamorphic. It would have been weird for it to have not have been shot. But that's, you know, at that point in time, you know, there were less movies being being shot in that format than in the other because it's okay. more expensive. Yeah. So we have anamorphic in four, five, and six. We have anamorphic in episode one, and then Lucas upsets the apple cart going to digital. Yeah, okay. which is something that he wanted to do for episode one, but the cameras just weren't there yet. A lot and of I people would that argue are, that the cameras weren't there for episode two either, but you know that's a whole other thing. Yeah, and, so. and it would be wrong. <laughs> but uh, the with with episode one, I think there ten percent of the movie was shot with actual digital cameras. Was it really uh, that much? Because I heard that there was I like, seem to recall was ten percent. I, I remember like at the time they're like we shot one scene, 
and they're like, we're not huh. telling, they're not like, we're not telling you what the scene is. I can tell you what scene it was. Yeah, I can tell you what scene it is. What scene which, do you think it was? I actually, I think I know this, but I, I, I guessed it before I knew it. It's um, the scene where he's uh, getting the, the, the midi, the midi chlorian sample from. Uh, yes. From yeah. But, because you can tell when he looks up, the uh, it's it's uh, Anakin gets a little fuzzy when he looks up toward the sky. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little digital there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, maybe maybe I'm misremembering the ten percent. But but anyway, Lucas brings it to digital. This is what Star Wars is going to be, and he's finished his six part magnum opus. Then he sells to Disney. Abrams wrenches the wheel in the opposite direction, 180 degrees, and he says, "I'm going back to super. I'm not, not super. Sorry, anamorphic 35." Yeah, and I'm shooting in that, which is not you know I, that's not. Abrams being like, screw you, George Lucas. You know, it's, it's not like Abrams is like, I mean, every single movie that J.J. Abrams has directed has been shot in that format. That's his preferred style. He even used anamorphic lenses on certain scenes in Alias just to get that look, even though it wasn't shot in, even though it wasn't like framed in widescreen, you know? So, so that's, I mean, that's why, I mean, everyone is like lens flare, lens flare when it comes to his Star Trek movies. Those lens flares are like a, a, an artifact from anamorphic lenses, you know? Right. They, they, they were something that directors used to have to live with that Abrams stylistically fell in love with and right. said, I love them. And then yeah. after Into Darkness said, maybe I shouldn't love them that much. And, but he, and he pulls he's, back a little bit. He's he's wrong about that. He should love them. No, 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 no. He he was right to pull back on that love just a little bit. But but I think that that's a, you say something very important because I think that the the Disney marketing machine very much emphasized with Episode Seven, not Lucas, not Lucas. We're doing everything old school. This was not Abrams rebuking Lucas. This was Abrams saying, "This is what I shoot in." And so you could very easily make the argument if Lucas had decided to make these the way that he made Empire and Jedi and brought in another director and that director said, I want to shoot on film. Do you think Lucas would have let him shoot on film? I don't think he would have because I think that if you look at his other movies that he's produced, things like Red Tails and stuff like yeah. that, he's been pretty hardcore about like dictating format and stuff. But he has gone on record as saying, like, you know, it is a creative choice. It's something that, you know, the filmmakers should be able to to make a decision on because it creates a different look, even though he thinks that digital projection is, you know, the 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 absolute best regardless of, of what everyone else says. But I mean, like, obviously, with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that was shot on film because, you know, Spielberg is all about the film as well. And, you know that's someone who Lucas can't push around because he's like, yeah. I've been doing this longer than you have, you know? So, <laughs> but that's like the one person. But I think like if, you know, Star Wars being his baby, if he had produced episode seven and had hired a director from the outside, I think two things would have happened. One, he would not have gotten a, a as forceful a personality as someone like J.J. Abrams. He would have hired... I think a, a lower level director, someone he, more he Mark could push around. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, someone which is like, not a knock on Marquand, no, by, no, by any stretch. But he he hired Marquand in part because Kirshner was a stronger personality, 
Yeah. And it caused Lucas no small amount of grief. Right. J.J. Abrams was hired because he was a name. You know, he was someone that the fans, you know, but if you look at all the other directors that they've hired, they're very talented individuals who are not marquee directors, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think he would have done that. He might have hired someone like Ryan Johnson or whatever. Oh. But, you know. Okay. So so you mentioned Ryan Johnson. We'll get to him in a second. Yeah. Abrams does the Anamorphic 35, and now we've got Rogue One coming up. Yes. It, it has not been released as of the recording of this episode. No. And Gareth Edwards, he makes his artistic choice. Yes. And he has shot on digital, hasn't he? With yeah, Aeroflex cameras. Yeah, the Air, the Alexa 65 or whatever it's called, which is basically, anytime you see now like a digital movie where there's like shot with IMAX cameras and it's something like, you know, the Avengers or something like that, what they're using is this same camera that, that he is, I mean, they could, if they wanted to say that, you know, this movie was shot with IMAX cameras, it doesn't make any sense, but they could say that if they wanted to. You see, did you see The Revenant? No, I have not seen The Revenant. Okay, well, don't watch it because it's not very good, but it looks amazing. And I think anyone who's seen it or has seen the trailer or anything would agree that it looks amazing. That's the camera that they're using for uh, Rogue One. So something that can... Because the big deal with The Revenant was that they were able to capture everything with a lot of natural light as opposed to a bunch of setups. Yeah. Was would that? Do you think that that plays... Because we, we've seen bits and pieces of the Rogue One... Uh, you know, the, the jungle scenes and everything like that. Do you think that that would have played a big part in his decision to use that camera? Because I believe he used this same camera to shoot Godzilla. Uh, I'm not sure. He might have used digital for Godzilla, but I don't think that he used this camera because I don't think it was really around at that point. Okay. I, I think I think the f- one like the first few movies to use it were like Civil War, um, okay. you know, The Revenant, that kind of thing. He might have used like the... Th- the 35 millimeter version because like this camera would even though it's digital it's designed to sort of like mimic the optics of a 70 millimeter camera which is why and this is a really unique thing something which has never been done before he's using this anamorphic lens this 70 millimeter anamorphic lens which is what they used for the hateful eight and before that you know, a lot of movies, you know, from back in the day uh, in this format, which has basically n- not been around for like the past 50 years or something like that. It's yeah. Re- and, and, and I can tell you that just judging from the previews, because, again, we haven't seen it yet. The I mean, the, the shots in the previews that they've shown have been. I mean, I, it took my breath away the first time I saw a Rogue One trailer. I, I, yeah. I was stunned with how gorgeous it looked. It looks great. It looks great. And I mean, there's a case, you know, where it's like. Episode seven looked great and it was shot on film and it had this, you know, very sort of like classic look in a sense. Whereas Rogue One is shot digitally, it has a, an amazing look, but it's not the same look. It's much yeah. cr- crisper and cleaner. It's, I think, something which Lucas would be much more, uh, you know, in in tune with is his style. Whereas, you know, the other, the other style that, that, uh, the episode directors are are going for is is more of a throwback to uh the the 70s to 1977 in that sort of era so yeah so we're going to go back to um to the anamorphic 35 for episode eight yes we don't because, know what they're going to shoot 
Ryan, Ryan, John, Ryan Johnson has has been very vocal throughout his career of being a, a film proponent. Like even so much that like well, we were talking about the high frame rate thing. He yeah. hates that. He hates 3D, all that stuff. So yeah, he's very much sort of in tune with the old style, you know, anamorphic filmmaking sort of. You know, why, why do you think that is? What, why do you think it is that there are certain directors that are so entrenched that refuse to consider even changing formats? Because uh, to take it out of the Star Wars context, uh, I, I know that one of the big arguments was between Rodriguez and Tarantino for the Grindhouse movies was Rodriguez saying, look what we can do with it. We can make it look all scratchy. We can make it look like an old Grindhouse movie. We can make it look all flawed. And I shot this all digitally. And Tarantino said, eh, shut up, I'm shooting on film. What, what is it that makes people dig in their heels so much? Is it, is it just it's what's familiar and they don't want to change their tools because it's, I mean, it can be scary to change how you do things. Yeah, that could be part of it. That? It could be part of it. I think a lot of it is, you know, how, how people were raised, how the, what, what movies they watched growing up and, you know, what their touchstones are and, and what they think of when they think of a, a movie. You know, what, what, what does a movie look like? You know, that sort of thing. I think a lot of people listening to this think that a movie, when they think of a blockbuster, they think of episode four or, you know, episode five. You know, but a lot of kids today, when they think of a blockbuster, they think of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, you know, shot using that camera that Rogue One uses. So, I mean, a lot of those, you know, filmmakers who grew up with the Star Wars movies, now they have a chance to make a Star Wars movie and they want it to look like their Star Wars. You know, the filmmakers sure. coming out, you know, of, who, who grew up with the prequels, they're probably going to be leaning more towards the digital because that's what it looks like to them. Okay, so we don't know what the Han Solo movie is being shot on, do we? I don't think we do. I think their last movies, Lord and Miller, I think their last two movies were shot digitally, but that could have been a budgetary thing too. Okay. Now, Trevorrow has upset the apple cart because he's gone back and he said, I'm shooting on film, but unlike, the, unlike Abrams and Johnson, I'm shooting on 65 millimeter. What, what does that mean for everything that's, that's coming down the pike for episode nine? It it means a lot, you know, and, and it gets into presentation formats and everything like that. And I don't think we have enough time to talk about that today. So why don't we just put a hold on that and Ooh. we can continue this discussion next week. I like that tease, Mike. I like that very much. And while you're pondering uh, what's coming for you next week, uh, be sure to go over to LootCrate.com slash NerdParty. Enter the code NerdParty. And with the holiday season coming up, Gift somebody a subscription to Loot Crate, which is an absolutely wonderful service that sends you a box of goodies every single month, each month on a different theme. Uh, just stuff that will absolutely tickle your Star Wars fancy or any other fancy that you might have in the sci-fi and geek uh, community. And while you're going around, you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the uh, about, about the different formats that they've been shot in. Do you think that the the episode two and three, uh, you know, digital experiments were successful, or are you happy that Abrams went back to film? Does it make a difference to you? Do you, do you even care so long as the content of the movie is good? Uh, so go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, look up Great Shot Kid, you can drop us a line. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerdparty, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at at join nerd party so that's 
everywhere they can reach us at the show, Mike, where can they reach you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can find me on Trek.fm, where I do a show called Stage 9 uh, with a guy named John. Uh, it's about, uh, the same thing that we're talking about here, only for Star Trek instead of Star Wars, where we look at the, the people who make Star Wars. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek, whatever. Yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars, one or the other. Yeah, yeah Stage nine. Stage 9 is a delight. You can find me at Kessel Junkie if you go around on the internet, and you can also find me co-hosting right here on the Nerd Party, Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with Matthew Rushing, and you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with, uh, my buddy Craig Sorrell. So that's it for this week. Tune in next week when we go into a very deep dive about Trevorrow's choice for 65mm and what it means in terms of presentation format. Mm-hmm.